Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Thanks for joining us today. I am so glad that you are connecting with Grum Law Church today at this time. And we have so much to celebrate. That's evident by the baptism story that we just heard from Gracie. And each and every week we are seeing life change. And can I just extend to you an invitation if you haven't been with us in person? Join us sometime at our Grand Blanc campus or our Heartland campus because being with each other in person, eye to eye, there's something special about being connected in that way in community and we would love to see you. Many years ago when I was in high school, I was a swimmer. Not only did I like to swim, I was a varsity swimmer, a long distance swimmer, and that led into being a lifeguard. And lifeguards, um, uh, at least the ones I've talked to and what I've experienced myself, there's something about when you're swimming, you're always on the alert. And that was true of me. I was swimming with a bunch of friends up in a mid-Michigan lake, and I heard a person yell, help. Now, sometimes that's just a joke, but in this case, it was not the case. I looked over, and I literally saw an arm and a hand go down underneath the water, I was about 20 yards away, I swam to that area, I dove down and found an individual struggling in a big way, about six to seven feet below the water surface. I kicked into gear with my training, took a hold of that person, and exactly what we had been told could happen in a scenario like that took place. That person was fighting for their life and put me into a chokehold. And at that moment, I was glad that I was trained at a high level. I broke that hold, brought the person to the surface, and you could say that in that case, there was a rescue. And that is what we're talking about today, rescue. And I'm not saying this to be corny. I'm not saying this because it's the only thing to say, but we're going to see today And you're going to understand this, that the ultimate lifeguard is Jesus Christ. We're going to zero in to that word rescue. Now, in the Christian family, in the faith community, the word for rescue is salvation. Human beings, humanity being rescued rescued from ourselves, rescued from something that we don't like to talk about much in our culture today, rescued from our sin, rescued from the collateral damage from sin, rescued from ultimately eternal damnation and separation from God. Now, we spoke about that very much last week, and in some ways, some people may have thought that last week's message was a downer, but it's really not because it's part of a nine-part series called Ecclesiology. Now, what is ecclesiology? It's a theological word, which is the study of doctrine pertaining to the Christian church. 
We're literally spending two months talking about the essentials of the Christian faith. Now, why is that? Because every single week in this series so far, we have discussed that Christianity today is not seen as a real positive. It's, there's a negative reaction to Christian truth. We live in a post-Christian, post-truth world. And the Christian faith has more sustenance and substance than any other world religion. So it's critical right now that we're aware of the central tenets of the faith, particularly with what is taking place in our culture today. So I want to review just a little bit what we've discussed and then give you a little preview of where we're going in this nine-week series leading up to Easter. So we've discussed God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, last week humanity, this week rescue salvation, and then we're going to look at the Bible, the church, end times, and the return of Jesus Christ. Now, if that's a little overwhelming, doesn't need to be. And if you've missed out on any of those messages, just go to grumlaw.com slash messages and you can get caught up or you can just let it marinate a little bit. And I'll be using that word later, marinate in the truth of what has been presented. And I'm confident that today you're going to be enlightened. Last week, we spoke about humanity, you, me, us. But I want to emphasize one point so that it's not lost. Humanity is God's most prized creation created by God for God. Now, let that resonate. And I already gave you a hint I was going to use this word. Let that marinate. Or another way to say it would be, let it crock pot a little bit in our minds. God's most prized creation was created by God for God. We're here for God. God's not here for us. Well, yes, he is here for us, but you understand what I'm saying here when I say that. We were perfectly designed in God's creation back in the Garden of Eden with an unbelievable plan, with an unbelievable way to live, and basically, we as humans said this, no thanks, we're going to do it on our own. Now, that was possible because we have free will. And there is a way which seems right unto a man or a woman, but Proverbs tells us it's ultimately going to end in death. And Paul, a guy who was kind of on death row the way he was living, but had a conversion experience and he was rescued, shares something in Romans 3, 23. And it says, for everyone, that includes you and me, we've all sinned, we all fall short of that standard that was ultimately there. Now, for a lot of people, this is a difficult pill to swallow, but it's hard to refute. We have sinned. We do sin, we will sin. And that's evident by the decisions that we make. Uh, a lot of times the decisions we make, uh, we undermine our future. We hurt those we say we love. And by those decisions we make that are sinful at times, it separates us from that relationship that God ultimately wanted with us and still wants with us today. And the dilemma is this, we have no ability 
to remedy that spiritual separation because of sin by ourselves. We're helpless. We're spiritually lost. We're destitute. That sin has caused a shattered, splintered, split, um, dichotomy way of living in our lives. Now, if the story were to end there, like we said last week, uh, it would be pretty devastating and pretty hopeless. But the reason we emphasize this last week and this week is for this reason. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you and I won't see our need for a savior. We can't truly appreciate the, the rescue of God, the redemptive work of Jesus until I realize you realize that it was our sin, my sin, that put Jesus on the cross. And God, believe it or not, had to make an unbelievable decision. And the decision was this. Do I allow humanity to destroy themselves through their own self-destruction sin, or do I save them, rescue them? See, salvation and rescue is a theme, is a thread that goes throughout the Word of God. It goes throughout the Bible, the greatest book that has ever been written. And we see that God the Father, who we talked about in the beginning of this series, is not only a creator, but he's a redeemer. He's in the redemption business. That's who he is. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there, there's this back and forth all the time where people would follow God and then they'd stop uh, sinning for a while, but then they would rebel again. They would resist. And another theme, though the word isn't used necessarily in the Old Testament, it's used in the New Testament. Uh, the word is grace, that, that, that idea of love for ill-deserving people. God is the rescuer. And there's a reality and a little footnote for me to put in here, and it's this. Nothing that we ever did or we've ever done caused God to have that kind of love for us. So let's go back uh, to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy where it says this. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, speaking of the children of Israel, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. Let that marinate. The Lord loves you. And he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That God the Father, the Redeemer, that verse right there shows us his goodness, his mercy, his love. And it's absolutely amplified in the New Testament in the book of Romans. Romans 5, 6 through 8 states, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners, you and me. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be, perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us 
by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. That's a screenshotter there in my opinion. That's a crock pot one. That's marinate. And when you think of it and you marinate on it, we're really not that impressive on our own. Let me illustrate it this way. For everybody who has children, has grandkids, or who's ever been around kids, what do kids like to do? Kids like to put on little parades. They like to put on little talent shows. They like to put on costume parties. And as the parent or the grandparent, let me tell you, we applaud that, but they really are not very good at all. And yet those kids would think they're on to Oscar nominations. Does that mean that we don't love them? Of course not. We applaud. We tell them that they're doing great. But in the adult sense, we kind of do the same thing. We masquerade. We put on a show. And guess what? We're not really good at it at all. And yet God loves us. And he loves us more because nowhere else do we ever experience this type of unhindered, unchanging, no strings attached kind of love. I mean, we were still sinners. He reached out. And if the roles were reversed, we would not handle this the way that Jesus did. In our rebellion, in our resistance, in our rejections of God's way, God comes through with this unthinkable, unbelievable display of love that's outlined towards the end of the New Testament where it says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God willingly, lovingly offers his one and only son because of his love. Let that settle in. A holy, just God does something because somebody has to pay for our rebellion, our resistance, and our rejection. God's perfect son fulfilled God's perfect requirement of God's perfect law. That's amplified in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Mm. Offering himself in our place, bearing the curse that was on us, and him taking the penalty that I deserved and you deserved, and the full wrath of God. Now notice that I've used this word multiple times. 
I hope this is soaking in like a marination. There's a story in the Bible that talks about Jesus sweating blood. It's, it, we'll look at it in Luke 22 where it says, He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down. That's Jesus. And he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me because he's anticipating what's going to happen. Yet, I won't go with my will. I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Now, that's intense. He knew the torture that was coming, the humiliation, the people literally <laughs> spitting in his face, nails being driven through his wrists. And a little sidebar here. And no, I'm not off track. Let me just say that after Jesus died, rose, went back to heaven, there have been many martyrs who have experienced this type of a death and in some cases maybe worse, and they were singing and smiling like, we know a risen Lord, we're not going to deny him. So the question is, what was the agony of the spirit, the sweating of the blood? Why is it more intense than those martyrs who have followed in the steps of Jesus? It's because of the full weight of the sin of the world was resting on him. The wrath of God. That's why it says here, angels came. And when you're at your lowest moment sometimes, I don't know if it's a person, I don't know if it's a song, I don't know if it's a scripture reading, I don't know if it's an angel, but I know God comes. But what was the weight of this? When we look at the Gospels, Jesus literally said at this point, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The connection, the unity, the relationship that Jesus had with God the Father was lost at that moment. God the Father looked away because the entire pressure, the entire absolute weight of sin was on the Son of God. And he chooses to rescue us. When, so I don't even know how to say it, when some of the greatest days of my life were when my children were born. I remember when our first child was born, Trevor, and I called to tell my parents. I, I couldn't even talk. I just started bawling like a baby, and I just said, it's a boy. <laughs> Nothing else would come out. I can't imagine in my mind loving anyone where I would give up any of my children. Now, I'd die for my children, but I'm not giving up my children. I couldn't do it, and I wouldn't do it. And God the Father did. For everybody. 
For God so loved the world, the mockers, the spitters, the haters, the religious, the non-religious, the child molesters, the murderers, the rejecters. It's outlined in 1 John 4 where it says, this is real love. Not that we love God because actually we turn away from God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I want to tell you, in preparing for this conversation talk today, I can't tell you how many times I broke down and just started crying. Because of his love, because of his grace. And I said it earlier in this talk, because of who he is. His sacrifice, his blood, has rescued me, has rescued you, has rescued us. And as a result... I want to go through several ben benefits that we have. One benefit is redemption. Redemption. We are liberated by the payment of the ransom, the ransom price of Christ's blood. Nothing I've done. He took my place. He took your place. He took our place on the cross. Another benefit, forgiveness. Our debt is canceled. The debt having been paid in full in Christ's redeeming debt. It's been wiped clean. It's like being in a restaurant, going up to pay your bill, and the cashier says, it's been taken care of. You're not responsible for it. It's been paid for. Another benefit, justification. We are declared righteous before God the judge by virtue of Christ's substitutionary death and gift of righteousness. In other words, we've been acquitted. We're in right standing. It's being in a courtroom and the judge says, case dismissed, you're free, you can leave. No more bondage. Another benefit, reconciliation. We are brought from enmity into fellowship with God. We're, we're brought from being in chaos into being in union with God. No more enemies, friends, which leads to another benefit, which is adoption. We in union with Christ the Son become God's children. There isn't anybody who has breath and has a pulse, who doesn't want to be part of a unified family. There's nobody sitting here. There's nobody listening to this right now who doesn't want to be a child who's loved. And we're loved and we're rescued by the Most High God. We're, he rescued us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. Let that marinate. He rescued us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. That's highlighted in a famous verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, where it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We had nothing to do with it. It's a gift, a free gift. 
It's a gift of rescue. It's a gift of salvation. It's a gift of freedom. And how do we experience that? Faith, belief, and trust. And let me ask you this. Do you believe in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ? Oh, we work so hard to win favor with God. No, it's not believe and work at it. It's not believe and works. It's believe and that's it. That's what salvation is. It's a gift. You and I can't earn it. Salvation saves us from our own sin and the deterioration it brings. Salvation restores us with God. One of the highlights of my life is being in a lot of different churches at a lot of different times, and that has also been happening here at this church, Grumlaw Church. Whether it's uh, a back room, whether it's a hallway, whether it's in this lobby, where right now I'm presenting this talk, where individuals have come up and declared their faith. I, I, I think of a, a friend of mine, a Marine, an author, uh, a successful businessman, and before that, a president of a college. And he came in with some family members, and it seemed like every single week he had questions about my talk. And I could see that there was a curiosity about this gentleman. And so rather than thinking, hey, this is a guy who's a burr in my saddle, I wanted to take on the challenge of this highly intelligent, inquisitive guy. And it sharpened me in my faith. And after many months of this, and actually leading in over to a year, I began to ask him where his faith was at. And he was older, and I said, are you ready to meet Jesus? And he said, I hope so. I, I think so. And I looked right at him, and I said, Bob, you don't know Jesus yet. You haven't been born again. And he would continue every week to be here, and every week he'd wait until I had greeted others, and he would literally ask me questions. One week I saw him come in before I was speaking, and I just said, I think this week maybe." a message that will speak to you. And so I gave the message, we finished the service, came out into the lobby, greeted people, and there he was in the same seat, ready to greet me, and with tears flowing down his face, he said, I'm ready to meet Jesus. And then about a year and a half after that, I had the privilege of doing his funeral. And I know my friends in heaven do you know Jesus? Do you hope you'll go to heaven? Do you think you'll go to heaven? If, if you think or you hope, then you haven't been born again, but you can be born again today. We have to be physically born and spiritually born. And understanding the gospel is understanding that there's a God who came and his name was Jesus. He lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. He's in heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit, which we've learned about, to assist us. And that Holy Spirit more than likely is speaking to you right now. And if you'd like to ask Jesus Christ 
to come into your life, would you just bow your head and in all sincerity say, Jesus, like never before, I'm experiencing you, I'm sensing you, and I know you're real. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my past? I am a sinner, but I want to be reborn. Jesus, I commit my life to you right now. Right now. And if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ and to be born again, you made that decision. Text faith decision to 94,000 and we will have an individual contact you, pray with you, and help you on this next step that you've taken to know Jesus Christ in an incredibly personal way. Now for those of you who already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I have a question for you. Who's your one? Now, for some of you, that may be a new question or new terminology. For those of you who have been with us, that should spark something right now. Who's your one is, who is that individual that you know is far from God and you would like them to take a step closer to Jesus? Who is that one that has not had that spiritual experience of being born again? Who is that person that may be hoping or thinking they're going to heaven, but they're not because they're not connected with Jesus? What we're asking here, what I'm asking you here is this. Will you pray for that individual daily? And will you pray that God will give you opportunities to share your faith, to share your victories, to share your struggles and how Jesus assists you? Why are we saying this? Because Jesus is literally sprinting to the rescue and he may be using you as part of the rescue team. There are a lot of people who are drowning, like I described at the beginning. They're sinking and they need to know that emotionally and spiritually they can become alive because Jesus offers us salvation. And there's only one way I know how to end this time that I've had with you. All glory to Jesus Christ. All recognition to Jesus. All praise to him because he came and he rescued you and me and we can experience that personally.